Are you thankful for what Jesus has done in your life? Where would we be? Where would I be? Very honored today to be able to deliver a message that I believe is foundational to our walk and living through this journey called life. Today, I want to frame our minds around the subject of faith. You see, I've come to learn in my life that faith doesn't always guarantee the outcome, but it establishes the outlook. It establishes the lens that we are to look at our life through. So I want to take some time today in a very famous passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, and I'm also going to read Hebrews chapter 12. If you have your Bible, why don't you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11? And while you're turning there, if you wouldn't mind standing in honor of God's word today as we read it. Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 3. One of the most famous scriptures about our faith. It says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are, were seen were not made of things which are visible. I also want to turn our attention to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The writer of Hebrews is trying to give us this picture. He says, therefore, we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, fixing our eyes, another translation says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and to sit down at the right hand of the throne of God. I want to preach to you today from the title, Check Your Frame. Check Your Frame. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for every single person under the sound of my voice, whether in this room or from the other side of a screen. God, we thank you that you know right where we are in our life, in the season we're in, and the situations we may be walking through. And God, I ask, Lord, that you would show yourself today, that you would reveal yourself in a way that is so tangible, that, that the, the hidden places of our life and in our heart that maybe we've been afraid to open up to you, God, that we would that you would just obliterate those things and you would, you would walk into the places of our life that are in the dark crevices, the hidden places, the dark places, the places that are broken. For God, your word says that you came to seek and to save those who are lost. So God, I pray, Lord, that you would refresh us today. I pray, Lord, that you would enlighten us with your glory and your goodness and your faithfulness. God, we honor you today. And we remember what you did for us on that cross. Let us not leave here the same way that we came in. 
but let us be transformed, let us be changed from the inside out. God, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said a big amen. Amen, you may be seated. As we read these two passages, these passages are, passages are really an exercise that would be like the push-ups of faith. Now, I'm not going to make anyone do a push-up contest this morning, although that would be very entertaining to see. But these passages are the, like the push-ups of faith. And the author of Hebrews provides us a picture to encourage us and to encourage perseverance to, for anyone who is fatigued in their faith. Establishing a framework of faith. You see, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. And then the scripture goes on to say that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. And here's something that you've got to know sometimes, and that is the frame is often more important than the picture. I've learned this being married to a wife who loves to post things on Instagram. The frame is often more important than the picture. I can take a picture and it can be off just a little bit in the frame. It doesn't matter how good the picture was. If the frame was off, we'd be taking the picture. In other words, the way, maybe the way that you say something is even more important than maybe what you say. Like, did you know that you can say something to your kids that was meant to develop them, but actually it would destroy them? All because of the way that you framed it. That you can actually put your kids in a competitive state of mind with their siblings, trying to get them to act the right way or kind of create this dysfunction that they have for the rest of their life, all by the way that you framed it. Your framework is important. Any married people in the room, if you're married, raise your hand. Any married people, raise it high, raise it high. Be loud and proud. All the single people, look around. Look around for those people that didn't have their hand up. I believe today, today you can come out of that grave of singleness in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout a big amen if you're single in the place. I'm just trying to help a brother or sister out, you know. But today, I... I want you to understand that the framework of your faith, what you say sometimes is more important or how you say it is more important sometimes than what you say. Your phraseology in marriage is important. Uh, I want to give you kind of a quick tip because there's something that I began to learn over these past almost 13 years of being married to Kendall and marriage. I'm still learning this in marriage, but many times it's not what you're saying to your spouse. It's how you're saying it. All the husbands said amen. amen. I believe this is a very practical applicational value to your life because, you know, if you really want to get your husband to change, catch him doing something right and complimenting. Now, now you can keep critiquing him and you can keep telling him what he's doing wrong. But guess what? He'll keep doing it because men continue to do what they're fed. They'll continue to follow what you feed them. So to understand how to effectively communicate with any relationship, you're going to have to learn the art of framing. 
you're going to have to check your frame. And we see this in Hebrews 11 and 12, where it says that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, when I say framed, if you're in any part of the construction industry or you're in the framing industry, you you can easily picture the raw material and the dimensions and the structure of what it would take to build a house. The scripture says that when God was looking for something strong enough to build the world with, there was no substitute for the raw material of his word. So God framed and built the world, which is visible through the word, which is invisible. And now we as his children get to imitate him in our life through this thing called faith. That is, we get to take the same stuff that God used to frame the world and we can frame our lives with it. That the same word of God that framed the ocean and framed the mountains and framed the sea can frame our situation on a Tuesday afternoon if we so choose to use it. But I've got to check my frame. And if I'm going to check my frame, I'm going to have to do one thing, and that is to sharpen my focus. I've got to sharpen my focus. Now, you see, there is a challenge with this thing called focus. It's a very difficult thing sometimes. You know, focus is a skill that you must actually sharpen continually. You can't just leave it be. You're going to have to sharpen it continually. And the truth is, I get a lot of practice with this when I'm preaching because how well I think my sermon is going determines on which person I focus on during my message. And you see, some of you, if I based my sermon off of your response, I would be in a constant state of depression. Like some of y'all, I'm really concerned with your ability to make any other facial expression than an RBF. A really blessed face. Come on, where's your mind? I'm just saying. But you see, but after doing this for a while, I've come to learn that there are some things not to do. I learned that if I were to frame my perspective and focus differently to determine, I have to do this, I have to focus differently on things to determine the success of my sermon. Because if I look at my success and what I'm preaching based on man's approval, based off a facial response or what some troll said, something on social media or what other people think about me in my life, then I would frame my life with what their words are rather than framing it with who God says that I am and who God says that I can be and who God says he's called me to do because he is the author of my life, not you. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, you ain't the author of my life. I know your wife saying, oh, yes, I am. Don't you listen to that preacher today. You see, what what I'm trying to get you to understand is that I can't control the chaos around me. I can't control what someone says about me. I can't control what storms may come or what news I get or what tragedy may present itself. But I can control my focus. I can choose what I allow in my frame. Now, I want, I want you to show that these camera people are doing a great job today, but I want to show you some. I want you to give me camera one. Okay, camera one. This is what's called the tight shot. The tight shot. That means that this shot on camera is, is only designed to show me. Now, I want you to zoom in, zoom in a little bit, zoom in real far. 
Zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in, zoom in. Okay, okay. Now, okay, zoom out, zoom out. That's a, that's a terrifying shot. So zoom out, zoom out. <laughs> Y'all can see all my acne and all my things. Just back it up. But what, what I'm trying to get you to see is that you get to choose your focus. So, so they're, they're directing those cameras in the back and they're, they're making decisions on what meets the attention. Are you understanding what I'm saying today? Ayers, come up here, come here. You're a spring chicken, just jump up, come on. Look at that. He's married. <laughs> to that beautiful woman right there. All right. Now, now, now if, if, if we were working with the wide shot, which this is the wide shot, okay? And someone else was in the shot, like this guy. He would be a distraction. Because if I can't, if I can't make him go away, but, but watch what I can do. F focus, camera one, focus on the sharp of my focus. You see what I just did right there? I can sharpen my focus. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is that they may not leave the space, but that doesn't mean I have to keep them in my frame. Are you getting this? I'm talking about anxiety. I'm preaching about depression. They might stand there, but faith gives me a focus. A focus. Thank you. You see, faith is powered by focus. And so they're deciding back there, the, the switcher, that's what he's called, what, what, what to put in the frame. That's what it's called, the frame. And the reason why people are able to watch me right now preach on a screen is because there's somebody that you can't see running the camera and framing it of what you can see. You know that it is the invisible aspects of your life that often determine the results. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So Hebrews 11 and 12 gives us the framework of our faith. It, it, it's a focal point telling us to to fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, when Peter walked on water, he lost his focus because, because he let the wind and the waves into his frame. Now, we can't blame him because the wind and the waves were there, but, but what we allow, the things in our frame that break our focus, you see, your faith is weakened and you will never build a solid faith when, you're weak, when your focus is weak. You're never gonna build a solid faith. Now, maybe it's just because I have an eight, six and a three year old right now. I feel like, you know, what I'm trying to train my kids right now, all I feel like I'm yelling more than anything to these heathens is focus. Any parents in the room say amen. amen. But focus shouldn't really be that hard when you're eight. Like, get up, get dressed, eat your breakfast, grab your bag and get out the door so we ain't late for school. Come on, somebody. Like, we don't need to ask Alexa a, a thousand questions about why humans fart. We don't need to be looking up every Pokemon statistic on every Pokemon card you got. We don't need to be stressing over a project that ain't due for three weeks and you want to do it right now. Focus! The truth is, some of you are even so distracted in your life right now that we could even come to church but won't even receive a word from God on a deep enough level to build our faith in our life because you're not focused on the word of God that's even being preached. 
that the breakthrough that you need is in this word that is being preached today. But because you're distracted with where you're going to meet to go after church for lunch and who you're going to be with, you might just be missing the very thing that God's trying to speak to you about the situation you're facing because you aren't focused. You got to check your frame. You, go, you, you need to focus. Somebody shout focus. You got to check your frame. But you also need to check your frame of reference. Reference. I just want you to write that down. Reference. You see, the writer of Hebrews said that God started the world with his word. And now that the same word is the word by which will you will receive a measure of faith and that you frame your world according to the same word that God spoke the universe into existence with, that he's given us a frame of reference all the way to Jesus who endured the cross through faith. It's a frame of reference for a suffering church. And he's reminding them, this is what the writer of Hebrews is reminding them of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is the picture inside the frame of Hebrews 11 and 12. He's giving them a picture. It, it, it's kind of like when... Kendall and I found out that we were pregnant with our fourth child. We have three kids, and we found out we were pregnant with our fourth child. It wasn't part of our plan. Like, you know how you have a plan, and then God likes to mess that plan up sometimes? It wasn't part of our plan. We, 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 weren't, we weren't planning on having necessarily another child at that point, for sure. We were still thinking about it. It's like every, every wife forgets the pregnancy stuff, and they were like, oh, I want another one, you know. But for us, y'all laughing because y'all know it's true. All the women like, yeah, I black out. I don't even remember anything that happened. And I'm just like, I want another one. And the next morning you wake up crying. Um, but you see, for us, it was a hard realization. Like we were comfortable in life. We've gotten out of diapers. We were able to like, go around to do things. And we were beginning to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Every parent say amen. amen. And we begin to ask ourselves, how are we going to do this? How are we going to raise another heathen? Like, this is not God. Why? Why are you playing games? God, you're playing games with me. You're playing games with me. We didn't ask for this. It was emotional. Trying to figure this all out. Now, we're grateful. But, 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 but then it, we took a moment. And all of our emotion, trying to come into the realization, we were focused on what are we going to do? And then we took a moment and we checked our frame. Checked our frame of reference. God, you've, you've given us another opportunity to be pregnant again. When we have friends that would love to be pregnant right now. This isn't what we asked for, God, but... I know people in my life and in my circle that would do anything for a moment to experience this right now. Furthermore, God, you, you've entrusted me to raise another son in this world, to be raised, to not just be a good man, but to how to be good at being a man, learning, learning what it means to lead in a world with so much adversity. You've entrusted me, God, to raise another son. You, you must see something I don't see. It's an opportunity. Nothing changed but the frame. And that's why so often what we need is a frame of reference. This is why white people, you need black friends. Oh, I'm serious. 
This is why black people, you need white friends. For the same reason that broke people need rich friends. And rich people need broke friends. And Republicans need Democrats. And Democrats need Republicans. Why crazy people need sane people. And sane people need some crazy people in their life. This is why, why young people need old people in their life. This is why old people need young people in their life. Are you, are you, we, we need this because what we're doing is we're trading perspectives. We're checking our frame. And what happens is we get wiser and we get smarter because we have a frame of reference that we didn't once have. So often our frame of reference, our perspective is developed in reverse. And sometimes the way to get through what you're going through right now is to go to the wide lens. Take me to camera two. We got to go to the wide lens. You see, the wide lens is what gives us a frame of reference. The tight shot, it's an important shot. But what I need sometimes is a wide shot so I can see that the, when I see the Goliath on the battlefield, I can have a frame of reference that takes me back to the lion and takes me back to the bear. It's a frame of reference. And this is why we're instructed in the Bible as often as we're instructed to remember that sometimes you got to play the tape back. Because the enemy will get you so focused on one frame, on one thing, and you will lose your whole frame of reference. Why are you staying up so late worried about something you can't control? You got to zoom out. You need to change your frame of reference. You know, that's why you come to church, by the way. Because you need to be around other believers. You need to broaden your frame of reference. You need to remember that you're not the only one serving God. You're not the only one going through the things that you're going through. We need Jesus to remind us that he endured the cross so I can make it through this crisis. We need a foundational relationship with Jesus so we can capture this full life, this extraordinary life that God has come to offer and designed us to live. So we, we zoom out and we zoom in in life and these, these camera operators, they've got to be really good at it because they have to be really good and be really successful at keeping me in the frame. That's their job. Why don't you tell your neighbor, say, keep it in the frame. If you're online, put it in the chat, say, keep it in the frame. Yeah, because you got to keep joy in the frame. You've got to keep hope in the frame. You've got to keep his word in the frame. You've got to keep his word in the frame. You've got to keep his word in the frame in a fallen world that we're living in. Faith is the invisible connection point by which I reach out and grab what I'm hoping for and bring it into this moment. That's what it's all about. And that requires anticipation. Write that down, anticipation. You see, that's their whole job. All these camera operators, the switcher in the back. That's their whole job. These camera operators, there have, let me just tell you this. There have been camera operators who have been fired and they volunteers. Oh, yes, because they don't anticipate my movements. Now, these guys are professionals. Why don't you give it up for all of our media tech team, our production team. These guys are professionals. We love you. 
We got the A team on the cameras today, but, but that, that's, that's their whole job. Their whole job. They are instructed that Pastor Nate don't sit still. I've had someone tell me, can we put glue on your shoes? Like, I, I, can't, I can't sit still. And they're instructed that because he preached it this week, this way, doesn't mean next week he's going to preach it the same way. You got to be ready. You got to be able to anticipate his movements. Did they catch me? See, got to be able to anticipate my movements. And you see, honestly, God is like that. You know, you can't just set the camera and then, you know, you know, this is how some people live their life. This is why you don't have any faith right now. This is why you haven't seen God move in your life. Cameron, take your hands off the frame. Some of y'all just set the frame and then say, well, where's God at? God, I put my frame on you, but where are you? But you see, if you have faith, I don't just set up camp where God was. I got to know and expect and anticipate where he's going to be next. I can't just set it and leave it. I've got to continually build in the anticipation. You know, the thing that faith and fear both share in common is that they're empowered by anticipation. You see, some of you have framed your day or your week to suck before it ever got started. Oh, I want to preach this so bad, y'all. <laughs> like you wake up in the morning and the frame of your day is filled with anticipation of depression and discouragement. Oh, I just can't even today. It's Monday at seven and I can't even. This week's just going to be a crappy week. Well, I guess you're going to have a sucky week because you framed it that way. We've got to understand that the worlds were framed by what was spoken. So when you say you're going to have a tough week, then let me say a little tip. Don't complain when actually what you said starts to come true. You spoke it into existence. You framed your day. You framed your week. You framed your marriage. Woo! This is why I believe the psalmist said that you had, he had the right idea when he said that this is the day that the Lord has made. What is he doing? He is framing it. He's framing his day. He said, I will rejoice and I'll be glad in it. Well, what are you glad about? I don't know, but I'm going to be glad anyway. Can somebody shout, I'm glad. Shout, I'm glad. I don't know what I'm glad about, but I'm going to be glad anyway, because this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice come hell or high water, come wind or come wave. I will rejoice and be glad. I dare you to start living your life like this. You're going to start freaking people out when you start acting this way. I'm for real. Like, you're going to go to the same job that you were at the same week last week, and this week people are going to be looking at you like, what happened to you? You get a promotion? Did you get a raise? No, I didn't get no promotion. No, I didn't get no raise. I got a new perspective. I got a new frame. I put my day in a new frame. I'm out of this job I really don't like. I'm going to put it in a new frame. You see, some of you have been talking to your girlfriends about your husband and complaining every time you get around them. Oh, we're going to go there today. Mm, I'm a stepping. I got my new, my new Nikes on today. I'm a step on it. These things are heavy. This week, I dare you to start bragging about all the things that your husband does right. 
Start bragging to those same people you've been complaining about. They're going to look at you like, did you get a new husband? Something happened. Like, no, I didn't get a new husband. I just put him in a new frame. I just put him in a new frame. It's time to frame it up. It's time to frame it up. You know, I wonder what your week would look like if you framed it up before you went into it. I wonder what your marriage would look like. I wonder what the situation you're facing, and I wonder how it would change if you would just frame it up, if you would just check your frame. So you got to have anticipation, but there's also this thing, watch this, it's called motivation. Now, I'm a very image-driven person. I have a great imagination. I have a wild imagination, to be honest. The team loves me when I get in creative meetings, not Because I have a wild imagination. I think of all these crazy things. I'm like, what if? If you get me and my brother together, the world is in trouble. <laughs> to this day, he wants to fly in from the back of the room and onto the stage. Like it's, he's trying to find some way to harness on this catwalk. We're going to figure it out, bro. We're going to figure it out. But you see, sometimes even like real talk, even this like past Wednesday and Thursday, I wasn't feeling it. You ever just not been feeling it before? Just not feeling it? Like, I love God. I love my family. I love his word. I love his church. But there are times when I'm just, I'm just not feeling it. And it's in those moments where, where I, I look at this. Can you put that on there? Zoom in. Zoom in. Zoom in. Zoom in. Zoom in. It's, it's in these moments it's pictures like this and others that I look at that put me in the right frame of mind to remember that somebody's looking up to me. Because look, I'm their hero. I can't mess this up. I can't mess this up. I've got... I've got, hold on, hold on, hold on. I've got sons who are watching me fight the good fight. I've got sons who are watching me how to be a man, how to be a good husband, how to be a good father, how to be a good pastor, how to be a good, I can't mess this up. Can't mess it up. I've got a daughter who, man, she just says, rock my world. You don't know it till you got one, let me tell you that. All the daddy, daddy's girl daughters and Daddy, whatever. All the dads who've got a daughter say yes. You know what I'm talking about. You crying too right now. Don't, don't you mm -mm, say nothing in your eye. It ain't allergies. <laughs> but I've got a daughter who is watching me and how I treat her, how a man should treat a woman, how to treat a young woman and, and how to be loved. And I'm teaching her that this is how a real man treats you. This is how a real man takes care of you. Because when you go to date one, if he ain't matching what I'm doing, then he ain't worthy. He ain't even going to come to the door. And let me tell you, all you got little three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, I, I believe in the Second Amendment. And he better learn how to open the door. He better learn how to let her go through first. He better learn how to treat a woman. Come on. You better teach your kids. You train them up. But I got a daughter who is watching me. I can't mess this up. Then there's also, there's also this photo. 
And I look at it when I'm not feeling it. Because I have a wife that God's called me to love and care for. I have a wife that God's called me to lead as God has called me to lead. Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required. I can't mess this up. And I know in this picture, I know, I know what she's thinking. She said, God, how did this happen? What did I do? What have I done to deserve this fine specimen of a man? sometimes I look at it and I think, you know, I got people counting on me. It motivates me to dig down deeper. It motivates me to put my hand back to the plow. Now I want you to consider this. Consider Jesus. The Bible says that, it says, for the joy that was set before him. But what, what, did they, what did the writer of Hebrews even mean? That joy that was set before him was you. you that means while he was on the cross while those nails were pierced in his hands and his feet while they were whipping him with 39 lashes on his back the motivation that he had to endure the cross was what the author in Hebrews is trying to teach us that it was for the glory of his father and for the salvation of his creation that kept him on that cross that kept him motivated to endure the joy that was set before him so sometimes you need what's called an establishing shot Establishing shot. Now, this is the shot that's from like the back of the room. You see, this camera is an establishing shot. It's what reminds me in life that sometimes I can get so focused on one moment that I can compromise everything that's related to my destiny in one moment of pressure. So I got to establish it again. And I got to realize that what I am doing by faith isn't just for me. That this is a generational faith. I, I, I need something and I want something that I can hand down to my kids that's worth carrying, that's worth holding on to. And sometimes your frame can be too small. And that establishing shot is designed to give you context for the perspective. You need all these shots in your life, all of these frames of reference. When, when you have all this stuff swirling around you, you need the tight shot. That says, I'm going to focus on what God has called me to focus on. I'm going to deal with it today. You need the reference shot. You need the wide shot. Sometimes I need to remember that, that there was a lion and there was a bear. And when I was facing Goliath, I need to know that God was faithful in my past. He, if he was faithful there, he is no less competent in my present struggle. You've got to change your frame that says, I've made my decision. I framed up my life long enough with the way that I thought I should frame it. And today I'm making a decision that I'm going to frame it up with the Word of God. And if the Word of God was good enough to frame the world, then it's good enough to frame my struggle. It's good enough to frame my life. It's good enough to frame my marriage. It's good enough to frame my calling. Somebody shout, check your frame. Somebody shout, check your frame. 
You've got to reframe it. Now, there's also some things that are in your life right now that need to be eliminated. Eliminated. See what I'm building here? They've got to be eliminated from your frame. I want you to realize that as you, as you frame your life and as you reframe your situation, it's going to take focus. It's going to take a focus. It's going to take a perspective to have a new frame of reference to realize that there are other people who've gone through worse and they've made it. It's going to take anticipation to know that you've got to be ready for change. You've got to be ready for challenge, but knowing that life is framed by the word of God. So I'm not worried. I'm not worried about it because I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus. I've got to frame my anticipation and it's going to take a, a spirit of motivation. For the joy set before me, I can I'm going to endure just like Jesus did. I'm going to endure just like Jesus did. But then the writer of Hebrews begins to talk about there are some things that are called weight. There's some things that are called sin and they have to be eliminated from the frame. That there are going to be things in your life that were once in the frame that can no longer stay in the frame. Either things that are no longer a part of need or needed in this season of your life or things that I've allowed to enter the frame that need to be eliminated. Things that I've got to shed. Sometimes there will be people who try to place things in your frame. Sometimes there will be things and people, even people will try to step into your frame or situations that will try to place themselves in your frame. And you've got to come to a point where you tell it or you tell them you've got to get your fear out of my frame. You've got to get your worry out of my frame. You got to get your, your, your stuff out of my frame. Sometimes you got to look at situations in your life and say, nah, not right now. I don't have to carry this weight. I'm headed in an upward direction. You've got to get it out of my frame. You've got to get it out of my frame. Tell the person next to you, say, get out of my frame. Get out of my frame. This is going to be so freeing for you, for some of you today, because you, you didn't know that you were the director of this shot. You, you get to direct this shot all by yourself. You didn't even know that faith is a frame. And I don't want you to just hear this message today. I want you to work this message into your life to where you see that your life begins to change through the faith frame. See, it's amazing to me how, how something like a disease or a sickness that isn't a good thing can give someone a new frame. To see their life through a whole new lens. And now the things that once made them irritable, and they're no longer irritable about. The things that they sometimes worried about, they're, they're not really worried about anymore. They don't give attention to certain things that they used to give to attention before. They've got a frame that lets them know that tomorrow isn't promised. And what's sad is that sometimes it takes the reality that they might not get to walk their daughter down the aisle to start becoming a good father. Let me tell you, don't let your life get so out of focus that it takes a tragedy to change your frame. Don't let it be that it takes a funeral to make you appreciate your friends and your family. 
don't let it be that something has to be taken away from your life to make you appreciate how good it was while you had it. My advice to you is to change your frame, to fix your eyes on Jesus. Even though the, 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 the situation ain't fixed, even though nothing has changed, fix the frame. Bring into visibility what really matters. Don't be so consumed with the wind and the waves that you're missing the one who's able to walk on water. The one who is able to calm the storm with his words. It's time to check your frame. My prayer for you today is that as you leave this place today, that your frame, whatever you're facing in your life would become a faith frame. That you would become the framer in your everyday life to stop spending all of your time trying to frame somebody else's life and start framing your own. B, I want you to come out. This is my friend B. see, Benedicta had an opportunity to see her life through a different frame. She had an opportunity to, to look at what frame was given to her and she could have walked her life with that frame and nobody would have said anything. She had a choice to fix her frame. She had a choice to, to focus on what really matters. She had a choice to give herself a frame of reference. She had a choice to build anticipation for what God was going to do. She had a choice to be motivated that God said, I will keep you. And she had a choice to eliminate the distractions that would try to hold her down. She checked her frame. She fixed her frame. She's standing here today as a testimony of the goodness and the faithfulness of God to show that if he did it before, he can do it again. I want us all across this room to stand in the presence of God right now. And I want us to do something that's been done in the church for thousands of years. And that is I want us to just lift our hands to heaven this morning. Just lift them up. I want us to let go of all the things that have been in the frame. All of the sin, all of the shame, the past that you can't change. It's time to get in the faith frame of mind. I pray that the perspective of your faith might be enlightened. I pray that, that your imagination might be awakened to see the good things that God has prepared for you. I pray today for liberty and freedom in your life. I pray today that in the presence of the Lord that you would find fullness of joy. I pray that whatever you've been looking through, the lens of fear will, will, be, will look differently today when you leave here because of what the Word of, the, of God has reframed in your life today. I pray today that the eternal Word of God would reframe your situation. That would reframe the way you even see yourself. In Jesus' name, reframe and renew all things to look like your word. We declare that your word is true. And believe today that you will see the goodness and the faithfulness of the Lord if you believe.
you'll believe. I want everyone in this room and online to bow your heads for a moment. And close your eyes. Some of you today, this, your first step is to believe. To believe in the one who has framed our faith. To accept and receive into your life the eternal salvation that he has come to offer you. That was bought with his bloodshed. That Jesus knelt to the cross and rose from the grave three days later for you. Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, it says, we were all like sheep who've wandered off and gotten lost. We've all done our own thing. We've gone our own way. And God has piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong on him. That he took your sin and he took your shame. And he nailed it to a cross so that way you could live life to the full. That you could experience hope again. You can experience freedom again. You can experience peace and joy again. And he did it all for you. And I believe that there are some people here today that maybe this is your first time stepping into the presence of God. That maybe you've, you've never heard this message before. Or maybe you've been wondering about who this Jesus is and you finally came today to understand who is this Jesus that people talk about that, that says that he's come to give me a new life, that he wants to make me a new creation, that my past can be gone and then I can live a new life in him. I want to know him. And if that's you today, the Bible tells us in the most famous scripture in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that if you would believe in him, you would have everlasting life. It also says in Romans 10, 9, that if you believe in what Jesus did, that he died on the cross and that the Lord raised him from the dead, it says that you will be saved. We are in a need of a savior. And his name is Jesus. And let me tell you, he didn't come to establish religion. He came, God sent his son to establish a relationship because he loves you. And he wants to be in communion with you. So if you're in this room today or you're watching from the other side of a screen and you don't know Jesus, or maybe you've known Jesus, but you've walked away. Maybe life has, has changed the frame for you. And it's time to get a new frame today. Maybe it's time to rededicate your frame today back to God and focus on really what matters most. So that way, when, when your life comes to its point of you taking your last breath, you know and where you'll spend eternity. So whether for the first time today or you want to rededicate your life, I want to pray a prayer with you all today. But before we pray that prayer, with every eye closed, every head bowed, if that's you in this room today or you're watching online, I want to count down from three. And all I ask is that you would just slip up your hand. I'm not going to make you come to the front. I'm not going to make you do anything. I, I just want to know who I'm praying with. That's all. I want to know who I can stand in agreement with today to say, I want a new beginning. I need Jesus. I've tried it my way and I haven't gotten myself where I need to be. I am broken. I am hurting and I need Jesus. I'm not promise you, promising you that everything is going to turn peaches and creams and rainbows and butterflies. But I promise you, you will know who you can have a hope in and hold his, your hand to his hand. And he will walk you through the darkest times of your life. 
and you will find a peace that surpasses all understanding. You will find a joy in things that seem so broken and people will wonder why. It's because Jesus is in your life. So if that's you today, when I count down from three, I just want you to slip up your hand. When I count down from three, three, two, one. If that's you, just shoot it up. Lift them up, lift them up. I see that hand, I see that hand. All hands all across this room. Just shoot them up high. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Thank you, Jesus. Lift them high, lift them up, lift them up. Don't worry about the person left or right of you. Don't worry about the person in the front or the back of you. I want you just to take this moment for you. This is a divine moment. God called you to be here in this moment because he loves you. He wants to embrace you. He wants to give you a new life and a new future. If that's you, just lift them up. Lift them up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I see those hands. And more importantly, God sees those hands. Lift them high. Four more seconds. Don't let this moment pass you by. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Now I want us all in this room and on the other side of a screen, wherever you are, I want us to repeat this prayer out loud. It's a declaration of faith. It's the prayer of salvation. We're gonna pray it together. Where our ears can hear it. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me to live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. And three days later, rising from the grave, I ask today that you would forgive me of all my sins and help me to hold your hand as you give me a new hope and a new future. In Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said a big amen. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, church, let's celebrate with every person that just made a decision.